Good morning, everybody. Welcome. We're so glad you're, you're here. My name is Alex Baird. I'm the, the lead pastor. And uh, before we dig into our series that Joel just mentioned that we're in the middle of, uh, there's a couple things I want to do just a little bit uh, differently. Uh, as you've probably just heard and seen, uh, we have kind of this war that's beginning to rage in Israel. Uh, there's evil. There's lots of things that uh, we're experiencing in our world, trying to like make sense out of what we pray for, uh, what we hope for, and what can we do. And uh, we live in a time where there's all sorts of evil that, that we can witness every day and that we can hear about just because the, the news cycle and because of the fact that evil is, is real and uh, it's present. And uh, I was just praying this morning and I came across Psalm 37, and I want to pray for, for Israel and kind of what's happening in our world. But I wanted just to read, uh, this is like not on the screens, but I just wanted to read and, and for us to listen together to God's word because as we face these things, uh, this is not going to be uh, the last evil that we see. Uh, this will not be the last thing that we can't comprehend. We don't know what we can do, where we feel maybe helpless. A life is full of those things. And we're going to see that increasingly more and more that we have a position to take to trust in the Lord uh, in the middle of these things. Uh, most of the time, we're, we, we don't know what to do. And uh, we also have God's word, which is written uh, in the past for our benefit today. And the evil that we face is actually the evil that people have faced since the beginning of time. And that's because there is sin. There is an evil one, a Satan himself, who's causing darkness to continue to exist in this, in this world. Uh, but we trust in God. And so I just want to read Psalm 37, just uh, verses 1 through 11. And it says this, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. It's talking about worry. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Let's pray together. God, we do trust your word and we trust you. Uh, you are forever God. You've always existed. You always will. You see everything. You're in complete control. And uh, as your words just said, the evil that we see and we experience and we are concerned with and burdened by, it is real, but it will not last forever. And we trust your righteous hand. We trust your justice. We trust that you are the God that's working all things together for your good, for your purposes. And we just pray for all those impacted right now in Israel and the surrounding regions. We pray for comfort for those who've experienced just evil and loss of life, and devastation. God, on our end, where we are right now, uh, we, we mourn, we are burdened, but God, we, we ask that you'll help us not to give in to worry and fear. We ask that we'll put our trust and our delight in you. And God, we just ask that your justice, your will will be done. We know nothing can come against you. The darkness cannot overcome your kingdom of light. And we know just as today we gather as your 
your church body, we are the light in the middle of the darkness. And so God, we, we just ask that we'll be able to shine, that we'll be able to have our hope in you uh, as we do give in to worry and the concerns in our life from small to big. We ask that we'll continue to, to hand them over to you. Thank you for hearing us, for, for being with us. Thank you for the comfort that only you can bring. We praise you for your almighty strength. We trust your knowledge. We trust your insight. Uh, we trust you completely. And so we put our hope in you. We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. We pray for the, all those Christians who are in the middle of this conflict, that you'll help them to point to the hope that's found in your son, Jesus. And we pray for the peace in Jerusalem, as your word says. So God, may you continue to reign, may you continue to shine, and just show us what we can do and how we can pray in the middle of this. In the name of Jesus, I do pray. Amen. I'm just reminded as I was reading God's word that, that he is faithful. And um, if you're like me, this is one of those things that on a daily basis we have to continue to trust in everything that we're facing in our life and, and continue to hand over to him. And, and he is faithful. He does, he does hear us. And so continue to pray uh, for the burdens that you experience. Uh, God does hear. Uh, there's not anything that's too small. Uh, just continue to, to cry out to him, call out to him. Uh, don't give in to, into that despair. If you need help, if you need prayer, uh, as a church, we want to do that as well. Uh, that's why we exist, to bear uh, each other's burdens. And so let us know how we can pray for you uh, this week on the connection card. Um, we, we'd love to pray for you. Um, I'd also like to shift gears and announce uh, some new members that we have, a part of Ridgeview Church that have decided to join the church family. And we have Josh and Megan Gilman in the back, and we have Patty and Jeff. If you guys can please stand. Let's welcome them. Thank you, guys. You guys can be seated. Uh, Joe and Maggie will be in the, in the second service, but uh, these couples have decided to commit formally to Ridgeview Church to join us in the mission and to team with us for the, the mission that God's given. So thank you guys for the way that you've committed and the way that you are joining the team to help us move the mission forward. We're delighted to have you guys. Uh, if you've never met them before, I encourage you, uh, meet them after the service. And then if you're interested in becoming a church member, this isn't like a secret society where there's only a handshake that only a few know. Uh, there's a process that we have where you can attend membership classes. You can learn more about who we are. And so if you're interested in membership, you can just mark that on the connection card and we'll get some info to you. Okay, we ready to dig in? All right. We are continuing the series on uh, foolish strategies. And these are patterns that we all have uh, because of sin, because of our goals, because of sometimes we just continue to get off track. Now, this series is about identifying variations of foolish strategies that show up in scriptures. And uh, we're, we're focusing on five uh, fools. And as you can see the title today, we're going to focus on controlling Connie. Uh, but many things related to foolish tendencies are, are very subtle. Um, we, sometimes we don't even understand or, or see them uh, because there's patterns that we have. There's things that we've always done. There's things that maybe we've even been taught by our own family and by those that we care about. And what happens with foolishness is sometimes we just learn it without even realizing that, that we've learned it because it makes sense uh, to our hearts. Now, there's other foolish things that go on in our world that, that's actually really easy to spot. So for instance, if I asked you to get on this ladder and fix this sign, would you do it? Now, there's some of you men who's like, I've actually done that. That works. You just secure the wheels and you get a spotter, right? But, but most of us, if we'd look at that, we'd say, you know, that's probably not the safest. That would be foolish, why? Because gravity is real. We know if you climb the top of a ladder and you're not on a secure foundation, 
you'll fall. And the older you are, the bigger bumps and breaks that you'll experience. This is foolish. We can spot it. We want to avoid these things. But foolishness that we experience in our hearts, again, is is much more subtle. We actually need God's word to reveal it. We need things to be brought out in the light that's, that's in our hearts. Because again, just like we take a breath, it just comes very naturally. Sin to you and to me is very natural. It's actually like the atmosphere that, that we're used to. It's actually God's ways, which we have to learn. And we need the power of God to change because those are the things that are actually foreign. God's ways are foreign to us because our hearts, again, have some issues. And just as a way uh, to review, we uh, started the series looking at the three problems we all have in our heart. Remember what they are? Selfishness, arrogance, and damage. These are hardwired. This is our factory default because of sin. This is not how God wants us to be. That's why we need to turn to him. That's why we need to trust in him. That's why we need to become a Christian because that's how we receive a new heart. And with that new heart, we have a new power, the power to change and move past this. But there's some of these things, because they're hardwired, that we're going to be battling with the rest of our lives. Selfishness, you can actually be trained to kind of put others first. That's a big part of parenting. But arrogance and wanting to hurt people if they come against us or they block our goals, these are battles that we have really for the rest of our lives. And so we need God's help. We need God's people. We need to be reminded of the good way, the better way of of choosing Christ. But these things, they, they really are a struggle. So this is where we started, talking about our hearts, why foolishness makes sense to us. All of us are impacted because of our hearts. Last week, who did we get introduced to? Anyone remember? Lazy Larry. This is the easy way fool. And we looked at the fact that most of us would prefer a life of ease. Lazy Larry is always looking for a magic key to solve his problems or her problems. There's kind of this this way out, and it's easy. We we just got to fix it by doing this one thing. And there's always kind of a lot of talk can lead to deception because Lazy Larry is saying a lot of things, talks a big game, but there's no action in his life. And probably if you're like me, there is parts of Lazy Larry that you can resonate with. And so the goal of this series is not to just point the fault that you see in others, but to ask God to show you maybe the foolishness that you have in your heart. And you could be full-fledged one of these characters, these usual suspects, Or you may have a variation of a few. But what you'll find is God wants to speak to you about what's going on in your own life to help you grow. God doesn't want you to stay the same. He doesn't want me to stay the same. And in fact, the spiritual life, this life that God's given us, it's actually never stopped growing. We're supposed to grow actually until we take our last breath. That's the promise. We can continue to change. And so today, we're going to be talking about the reactive way fool controlling Connie. Now, if you look at controlling Connie's face, if you see that, again, that's not that subtle. You're thinking, you know, I may stay away from her because even that face has a little bit of trouble. But why, if you struggle with controlling people, why would that happen? Why would you get to that point? Well, most of us, we actually like to be in control. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, yeah. Most of us would like to be in control. But it's not general. And the next part is this, of situations and people. It's not just we we like to be in control in a general sense. No, we want to control this thing that's happening in my life and this person that I'm interacting with. And this is usually where the sparks fly in the foolish strategies. 
Because you have people that are interacting out of their own folly, their own foolishness, and they impact each other. In Hebrew, the, the word for this type of fool is the evil fool, E-V-I-Y-L. That's transliterated from the Hebrew word. Again, five Hebrew words describe these five patterns that we're covering each week. Every time that fool is mentioned, it's describing certain characteristics or certain attitudes, and that's what we're digging in. Lazy Larry this week, controlling Connie uh, this week. So the evil attitude, the reactive way fool, is stubborn and determined. Most of us struggle with, with stubbornness. Most of us, again, are determined to get what we want. Again, that, that flows from our hearts. We looked at this scripture last week, Proverbs 14.8. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. That word folly is the Hebrew word evileth. It's that stubborn determination to get what we want. That's the selfishness in our hearts. This evileth, that, that stubbornness, impacts the lazy fool and the, the reactive fool the most. So lazy, Larry, and controlling colony really struggle with this folly the most, that stubborn determination. I, I, I just want to get what I want. Magic key, lying, laziness, ease for lazy Larry, controlling, determination, reaction for controlling Connie. Uh, Connie sorry, The fools, they, they like to get their, their way. Now, last week, if you were here, uh, we highlighted a character from Seinfeld, George Costanza. Remember, he built the, the beautiful bed underneath his desk so he could take naps at work. Uh, I said sitcoms are oftentimes a great place to see the fools at work because we can relate to them. If you want a TV show to be popular, you have to make characters relatable. So what's very interesting is, one of the ways they do that is they just show a lot of foolish people. Because we, maybe it's not us, but we know people like that. Anyone watch the, the show Everybody Loves Raymond? Great show. Marie Barone, the matriarch of the, the family. She could be controlling Connie. Let's watch a little clip of her. Wow, Marie. Seems like you cover for everybody. That's what a mother does. Yeah, a mother who wants to control everybody. You get something on everybody, and then you use it. Yeah. Is that what a mother does? <laughs> Excuse me. Did I ask you all to come to me and ask for these favors? You come to me because you know that I can deliver. Go out on the street and ask for those favors and see what you get. So, yes, maybe sometimes I ask for a favor in return, once in a blue moon, and you call that controlling? I call that a family. <laughs> Mafia family. <laughs> Is that what you think, Amy? I'm sorry. Maybe it's wrong for me to have all these secrets. I mean, the truth is, it's a, a burden to hold on to all these things that I know about everyone. Maybe I should just clear the air right now. Right, oh, no, 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 no. I thought so. Now, if you'll excuse me. So funny, but not at all. If you notice in that clip, it's actually very telling. It's four against one, but Marie came out on top. She's using her strategy. 
Notice her approach as she was challenged. She, she drew near. Like, she's not going to back down. And she had, uh, in this scene, she had all of these uh, secrets on people that she could use to get what she wants. And they came against her like, well, you can't do this anymore. And, but, oh, yes, I can. Because you, you need me. She, she has her strategy. Again, the foolish strategies always end up in view of a goal that we have. And we use many times without realizing it, whatever strategies we can to get our goals. And this is why we need Jesus' help, because it is so easy to be stubborn and determined to get what we want. And this is really the struggle for this type of fool, this, this evil. Let's dig into some more characteristics. This uh, type of fool is rebellious and adversarial. Uh, they don't back down from an argument. They're not afraid of conflict. Uh, in fact, they, they rise to the occasion. We'll look at that. A key tool uh, for this fool to get what they want, to get their, their goals, is upset easily. They use that as a way to kind of get people off their trail. Uh, the, the lazy way, Lazy Larry uses lying. Nothing to see here, and he just deceives. Controlling Connie, it's actually, I, I'm just going to get upset. I'm going to be emotional. I'm going to blow up. So what you're doing, I'm going to be able to kind of mask. I'm going to throw some smoke screens to throw you off my trail. Proverbs 12, 16, it says, the vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Vexation means this anger, but it's, it's like this anger filled with sadness where something happens that this fool doesn't like and you know it at once. You ever met somebody like that? You just see their face and you're like, oh, they're not happy. They're upset. They don't like what just happened and everybody knows. Oftentimes, this is called family gatherings. <laughs> Thanksgiving's coming up, Christmas. It happens, and there's just different people in the family that have a strategy that they've always done to kind of get what they want. And most families don't talk about it. That's why as a church, it's very important. The scriptures are giving us descriptions and patterns of things that we need to avoid and how to handle ourselves in the middle of this. Let's dig into their approach to life. This type of fool, decide what others ought to do. Again, because control is so important, they want to control circumstances and people. It's like the phrase, if they have a plan for your life. Many times, this type of fool has a plan for what they want you to do. This type of fool is also unwaveringly fierce towards their goals. Again, this combativeness. Proverbs 29.9. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs, and there is no quiet. The picture is like kicking a hornet's nest. You thought that would be a fun activity until you get stung again and again and again and again. Now notice, the wise has this argument. Actually, if you go back, the wise has this, this argument, and the fool, what's the reaction? It's, it's, it's laughing. It's this type of, of mocking. You, you're going to come after me? Well, that, that, that's humorous. And then it begins, like the conflict doesn't end. There, there's no quiet. There's no end until this type of fool wins what they want, gets their perspective. Now, we looked at the type of animal a lazy Larry. Anybody remember what lazy Larry was? What kind of animal? A possum. You may have seen the picture already. What is controlling Connie, the animal? A badger. Now, look at this picture. This badger has been in a battle with like a, you know, a porcupine. Can you count how many quills this has? I mean, there's quite a few. 
but upright, still walking, got a wound in the middle of its head. That's what badgers actually do. Badgers will pick a fight with any animal, even if it would hurt them. It's almost like they like to show their strength and their combativeness by the predator that they choose. There's actually footage of badgers picking fights with bears. It's crazy. Why would a badger ever do that? Because they can. They're ferocious. They, they just, there's this part of them like, you know what? Let's see what happens. That's this type of fool. Because they want what they want. They have their goals. They'll just pick a fight. They're like a badger. Another approach is they provoke people to get what they want. That's back to that um, Proverbs 29.9. Again, um, the, the scriptures there, each fool, you see that, that word, evil, that, that's that controlling, reactive way fool. They pick a fight, they provoke to try to get what they want. This type of fool also struggles with uh, the blame game because another one of their characteristics is they refuse to admit wrongdoing. Uh, Proverbs 14.9 says, fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoys acceptance. Again, you can see the, the pattern. The wise, uh, they, they, there's this acceptance of this guilt offering, meaning like, yeah, wrong has been done. But the reactive way fool, this evil fool, they, they mock at the guilt offering because it's like, I, well, how, I'm not guilty. I've not done anything wrong. They're justified in their approach. This type of fool struggles to admit wrongdoing. Let me ask you the question. Why would this type of fool not want to admit that they've done wrong? Because if they admit that they've done wrong, then they have to actually question their approach. Maybe they, they're controlling. Maybe they, they need to stop doing that. Maybe they're provoking. It, it, it kind of crumbles all of their, their approach. And so to admit wrongdoing is, is very uh, fearful for this type of fool. And frankly, it, it's hard for all of us. Have you ever been caught doing something wrong and your initial instinct is to hide and to lie about it? It's very easy. When Adam and Eve first sinned, they hid. They're shame. Because none of us want to admit wrong. And so one of the things that's so key to all of our foolish strategies is when we blow it, we actually have to admit it. There's so much hope out of foolishness if we admit our wrong. If we see our problems, our part of the pain, our part of the conflict that we experience. Humility is the way, and that fear of the Lord that I talked about last week, is the way out of this kind of foolishness. So, Let's talk about how, to, how do you move beyond this type of fool. Now, before we go on, I just started and I just went right for it and I just described it all, but can you identify any of this in your own life? Anyone? It's hard to, it's hard to admit, correct? But all of these things are so important because if these are devastating, if these end up with broken relationships, with blocked goals, with not pleasing the Lord, this stuff is very serious. And so it's not to make anyone feel guilty or feel shame, like, oh my goodness, I do that. But what do you do about it? How do you move towards wisdom? And so let's, let's focus on that. How to move beyond the reactive way. The first is ask God to help you clue into how your control increases pain. If you struggle with control, you're normal. You're normal. But your control actually increases pain in your life and in the lives of those people close to you. 
And so sometimes we just, just have to be clued into the consequences. Proverbs 27.3, this is a great scripture to memorize if you struggle with this. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. The idea is like you're picking up this, this really heavy rock and this burden, and you're just trying to get it, and it's like, oh, your back just felt a little bit of a twinge, and oh, your shoulders are sore, and then you know, you're trying to pick up sand, and like sand's not heavy, but think of like wet, compounded sand. It's heavy. Sandbags, you know, it's hard to move. You carry that long enough, it becomes a burden. So what the scripture is actually saying is, if you're a controlling person, you're carrying a burden on your life because of your control that will wear you down. And what people experience will wear them down as well. Now, none of us would wake up and think that we want to be a burden on those who love us. But we can be if we don't deal with our folly. Um, one of the things I try to do, and, and this is also difficult, I faced this, this yesterday. I'm, I'm a soccer coach. This is just a little bit. You guys want to get into my folly. I'll get into my folly, and it's easier for you to get into yours later, right? Uh, I, I coached my son's soccer team yesterday, and I, I was so frustrated. We haven't lost, uh, we haven't, sorry, we haven't lost, we haven't won all season. Terrible. Like, who wants, you know, no one wants to be on a losing team, right? I coach these boys, they're, they're 12 years old, 13 years old. And yesterday, I, I just wanted to win so bad. And we, we, be, we lost. It was down 1-0. And I'm just, this is the worst. It's like the worst day of my life. Like, that's what it felt like. This is terrible. We stink. We can't do anything right. And I, I was so dejected. And then I was kind of embarrassed at how much I was impacted by AYSO soccer game. You ever done that? You get so agitated, like somebody does something in your life and maybe they, you've told like your kids 17 times to put the dish away and you get so angry because the dish is left out and it's like this World War, you know, just three, like why don't you put the dish away? You're so mad. It's a, it's a dish, but it's so much more than that. It's a game, no. It, you know, these things impact us. Anytime we get so frustrated when things don't go our way, it reveals a lot of what we put our hope in, a lot of what we put our trust in. And it's a burden. And so as I was you know, debriefing with my wife, and if you're married, your spouse usually can really help you see things that you can't see. Sometimes we wish that weren't true. When I say sometimes, I mean most of the time. So I was debriefing with my wife about the experience and like we, you know, had a conflict on the way home because I was still upset. So she's trying to talk and then I'm kind of, you know, reacting to her. And then she's like, okay, we'll just, usually you know when you blow it. Man, this is like merit. I'm just letting you guys all in, right? <laughs> but, but this is real. Like it happens in real life. And, and so I'm driving home and I was agitated. And then she's feeling like, wow, you're like still frustrated about this game. And in my head, I'm like, I, I'm still mad and I can't let it go. And like I knew and I was like, I'm supposed to let it go, but I can't let it go. I'm still frustrated. I'm still mad. I'm kind of like, you know, mad at my son. Mad at the, it's like I'm mad at the world, you know. Man, this is like humiliating, right? But And then, so it's like just from, from this thing, like it was just this big deal. So I began to have a conversation with my wife. And as, as I was talking to her, I realized like, wow, I'm impacting all of these people because of these goals that I had that were so important to me 
But really, in the, the big scheme of life, like with what really matters, it didn't matter. In fact, because of my goals, which is like in this case, like I wanted the team to win. That was my goal. Is that really the most important thing that those boys need to experience that day? Probably not. Maybe how to like not give up and how to, you know, point out the good that you're seeing. You know, that, those were, that was kind of the role I could play, but, but I didn't. I was so focused on, on the win. So the reason I bring this up is one of the key questions you have to ask if you struggle with this control and just being reactive when things don't go your way is ask this question. What is it like to be on the receiving end of me? Ask that question. If you're a mom, ask that question for your kids. Like, what is it like to be a kid under you? Dad, ask the same. In your workplace, ask, what is it like for a boss to have me as a subordinate? If you're a boss, what is it like to be a follower under me? If you're married, what is it like to be married to me? Ask that question. What we're talking about is how the reactive way fool sends ripple effects in all of the relationships they have in every arena of life. What does that ripple do? Does it send tidal waves to the people that you relate to? And most of the time, you just you have to unravel those things. You have to be honest. You have to ask questions. But that's what it means. Ask God to help you clue into the control and how it increases pain, how it impacts your relationships. What I'm talking about is, is so important, but very difficult. You actually have to really be desperate to want to change for you to ask that question. You have to be very humble to ask that question. Because most of the time, fools, and all of us, again, we struggle with this, we just live our life and we just want people to deal with it. That's who I am. And we have a culture and a worldview that just says, yeah, you are who you are. Be real with yourself. Except you don't want to be real with your folly unless you really want a hard life. You have to change. You can't stay the same. And so ask this question, what's it like to be on the receiving end? Ask God to just clue you in to how your control could increase pain. Next thing, focus on what God wants me to do, uh, not what others ought to do. Again, the reactive way, because of that control, you can spend so much time focusing on other people's stewardships. Uh, you've probably heard this scripture before. This is really helpful. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So uh, part of this scripture, in view of like this type of fool, the reactive way, that controlling, the, the, the stubborn determination to get what I want, Lean not on your own understanding is really applied to other people. Like, lean not on your own understanding of what others should do, of your plan for their life. If you're a parent, this is a real struggle if you have kids. But as they get older, you have to be very careful that you don't control your kids. The more you control your kids as they get older, the more you're pushing them away. That's a fact. And so the goal is how do you coach your kids? How do you help your kids make good decisions? But at the end of the day, they're living their life. You, you can't control how they live their life as they become adults. If you do, you, you push your kids away. So this, is, this is really important. Lean not on your understanding. It's not my, my view of what others should do. And then it says, in all your ways. Now, I want you on your listening guide 
Verse six, underline your. Whose ways? Your ways. What you should focus on in your life, not their ways. Not my husband's way, not my wife's way, not my kid's way, not my boss's way. It's, it's my way. In all my ways, I acknowledge him. That means I stay focused on what I have to do. I, I want to share an illustration that's been helpful to me through the years. And Stephen Covey, Paul Tripp have done variations of this. And this is uh, the outer circle of concern and the inner circle of responsibility. Your life is actually connected to the, these two things all the time. The inner circle there, your responsibility, are your stewardships, the things that God's given you to handle. This is your job like your, your life. The outer circle are things that you actually don't have control over. Uh, put the next slide up that will describe that. The outer circle of concern. The outer circle represents things that are of concern to me, but are out of my reach. That means they're out of my circle of responsibility. They are solely whose responsibility? God's. I trust God with these concerns. Now, what's a struggle, depending on the areas of your life, like if you are a parent, there are certain responsibilities you do have for your kids to train them, to discipline them, to correct them, to encourage them, to help them, right? So part of that is your stewardship. But then again, as they get older, that becomes less and less. Like you have less and less responsibility because they're now more responsible for their life. And those have to go hand in hand. So the outer circle of concern, you trust God. These are the things that you can't control. This is what your boss does. It's not your job to boss your boss. How many of you would like to boss your boss? Yeah, that would be so much better, but it's not your job to boss your boss. God's the one that can change, and so you trust him. And so the next slide there focuses on the next. The inner circle of responsibility represents things that God has called me to do. They are my responsibility. I faithfully serve in these roles. So that's the inner circle, the light blue. The outer circle is that teal color. Now, notice the arrows. The arrows represent worry when I try to do whose job? God's job. The longer you get into this realm, the more worry and the more controlling you will be you have to focus on your inner circle of responsibility. All of us do. The longer, and this is what's crazy, not only does your worry increase, but the longer you're out in the outer circle of concern, then you're not taking care of your inner circle of responsibilities. And so the problems compound because now you're not actually taking care of the things you should to worry about the things that you should not. You see how the enemy could trap us here? There's no progress Then we look at our own life and we get upset because we've not done what we should. And then that could lead to us blaming other people for what they've caused us to do. You can see that the cycle just continues. And so I wanna encourage you, continue to ask the question as you're facing things, is this my responsibility or is this my concern? Ask that question. If it's my concern, I need to trust God, need to hand it over and I can't give in to worry and I can't control it. If it's my responsibility, I need to take care of it. I need to be faithful. So depending on where it is in the circle depends on what your response should be. So if you're someone who really struggles with control, this is going to be very important for you to continue to kind of work on and and begin a new reflex. Where is this? Concern or responsibility? Do I need to trust God 
or need to be faithful and trust God. Does that make sense? So that's how you focus on what God wants you to do, not what others ought to do. And then the, the last thing is reject being wise in your own eyes. I've done this many times in my life where I think I know the best. And not only that, but I think I actually know the best for other people. They're kind of missing it. They don't quite understand that. They're not seeing it. What it is, is it's, it's actually not trusting God with what I have. Again, I'm just having a plan for other people's life. Proverbs 3, 7 through 8, this is the second part of the scripture I just read. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Very interesting. So if you put these scriptures together, this trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Do not be wise. Where does it actually lead? Verse eight, what will it do? It actually impacts your health. I believe with all my heart that the more you control, the more problems you will have, even physically. I know that in my own life. There's times I go to bed and I'm so concerned and I'm so burdened by things that I'll sleep and in the middle of the night, I'm clenching my teeth and I'm tense and I'm just burdened by so much and I wake up and it's like, oh my goodness, I've just had like a battle as I'm sleeping. My jaws hurt, my neck's achy, I'm getting old, whatever you wanna say, right? But part of that is because I'm so burdened. It's that control, it's just like the clench, like, oh. And that hurt just doing that, right? But, but this is part of like the scriptures are saying, listen, if you trust God, if you release control to him, if you focus on your responsibility, not your own wisdom, not your own understanding, you're actually gonna have better health. Do you know how much stress and anxiety burdens us? It does. It impacts us. We, we know this. It actually takes like some of the goodness out of, out of life. So it's this struggle that we have to continue to hand over uh, to the Lord. So hopefully, if you struggle with this, don't, don't beat yourself up. Just like all of this, like don't beat yourself, but ask God, what, what's my next step? And so I want to walk through some possible things that, that you can do. Uh, as the band comes up, um, here's the, the first next step. Pick the starting point for moving beyond the reactive way. So if you can identify, yeah, I, I have some of these controlling strategies. I, I do react. I, I can get upset easily. Like, this is me. I have some of this. So pick one of the steps to, to take a step towards. So the first is take inventory of what controlling does to those around me. So be your own case study. How is the way I'm acting impacting my kids, impacting my spouse if I'm married, impacting my coworkers, impacting my family, impacting my friends? Just ask the question. And then number two, ask God to help me focus on my own stuff, not someone else's. One of the things I do is, is as you recognize you're just getting into other people's concerns, just ask God to show you. And my wife and I, we have a phrase we say it again and again, probably on a weekly basis, maybe not, you know, maybe even, in, even daily, but we just say, that's not my stewardship. <laughs> we start to talk, we start to think about stuff, and say, oh, that's not, that's not my stewardship. That's not our stewardship. That's not our inner circle of responsibility. So just begin to notice, like, are you being burdened by stewardships that are not your own? And ask God, you know, to help you identify that. 
And then number three, one of the best things you can do if you struggle with being wise in your own eyes is you ask for advice. This is what I see. This is what I think I should do. This is what I, how I think I should do it. What do you think? Very powerful. If you struggle with folly, one of the best things you can do is humble yourself and be teachable. Ask somebody wise for advice on something that you think before you do it. They could actually help you avoid some pitfalls. They could actually help you turn down the volume on some conflict. This is what somebody's doing. Here's what I want to do to handle it. Maybe you're way off. Maybe it's right. But ask for some advice. And then the last next step, you could put that up there, is to memorize Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. This scripture is so powerful if you struggle with foolishness, specifically control. It's packed full with meaning. So just begin to meditate on it. You just start by like one, one verse and focus on that for a week. It could take you a few weeks to memorize it. But just start with one verse. Focus on, you know, verse five uh, this week, next week. Go to verse six, add them together, five and six, and you put that together. But just tell yourself the truth. I encourage you uh, to do that. So Lazy Larry, the easy way. Controlling Connie, the reactive way. Next week, I want you to join us for this fool. Drop the ball, Doug. No offense, Doug. Okay, again, if your name is one of these, this isn't typecast in any way. Uh, but this is the fun way, fool. All they want is fun and a pleasure, and they'll pursue it. And so if you're like, man, I'm not lazy, I'm not controlling, just wait. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for your word, which instructs us and helps. And God, I, I just admit my own folly. I like to control circumstances. I, I like to control people. And I really, want to, I really want what I want on a regular basis. I thank you for people around me and people around us that can point to the truth. God, we do ask that you'll show us the consequences of our, of our folly. And, and I just pray for anyone here that does struggle with controlling. Uh, it's such a burden. It, it, it's so heavy because we can't handle all the stewardships that we have. Like we can only handle the stewardship you've given us. And so Lord, show us ways that we are trusting you and we're trusting in ourselves and our plan for people. God, the plan you have for people is far greater than the plan that we have for them. So God, help us to delight in you and what you do with others, not what we hope for. And so God, we, we do trust you. We need your help. God, just show us what it's like to be on the receiving end of us. And just give us steps. Your word, it, it just tells us to lean not on our understanding. And so God, we, we need your help because things make sense to us which shouldn't. So God, I pray that your word will speak to us this week as we meditate on it. As we come to it, we're, we're desperate for new, the new reflex that your spirit brings. So Holy Spirit, convict us and, and show us and, and give us just the power we need to change. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.